Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. It's Magic Mark. Magic Mark, how the devil are you doing, sir? Hello. Um, you know I'm trying to get rid of the magic thing, don't it, you? It's damn near impossible. Once you get to know someone by a certain name, it's fucking impossible to call them anything else. Oh, James Drake did it. Why can't I do it? I've not managed to do it. And that's, that's why James Drake is in WWE. He is good at what he does. Me? Yeah. <laughs> True. But I just... um. The idea was that when I set up like a legitimate, I have a business, this is what I'm making my living from. I didn't really want to be Magic Mark the Celebrant, but um, no one cares. And everyone calls me Magic Mark. And I kind of gave up on the idea of being sensible Mark. So, um, (laughs) yeah, you can call me what you like. I've been called much worse, you know. I I think I was saying this to, I don't know if it was Ryan Myatt or Matt Burns, anything like this. I said... I didn't realise that Dylan Roberts's real name was Neil, but I can't see him as a Neil. He's just Dylan to me. So his real name's Neil. There you are. Point proven. Yep. I'm not going to put, put his surname out there because you, you never know. But yeah, real name is Neil. Good grief. And his real surname, when, when put together with his real first name, makes him sound like he's going to show you like a PowerPoint presentation on how to make your own curtains out of spaghetti. It's fucking weird. But he's fucking Dylan friggin' Roberts. But seen him as a Neil, and I can't call him Neil. It's fucking impossible. I ain't going to call him Neil. Exactly. Once you get to know someone by a certain name, it's almost impossible to change it. So I will try and call you Sensible Mark, but... Well, don't call me Sensible Mark. Just call me Mark. It's my fucking name. Well, oh, can I swear, by the way? Oh, yeah, go Nazi. We put a little um, you know, notification on and say it's an explicit podcast, so if people choose to listen, that's fine. Right, so it's it's, it's an explicit podcast for a family-friendly wrestling company. Well done, Phil. Good work. Mate, trying to, like, trying to get people to not swear, like, we'd have to bleep out so much. It would be crazy. I'd prefer to just put the little notification on saying, listen at your own risk. <laughs> and yeah, then, I mean, for me, there. I really thought I would struggle to not swear on commentary because you know i can i have to be happy friendly magic mark on almost all of the commentary i do and i remember the first time i dropped an f-bomb it was ages back in a company called hxc in manchester and people listened in and they were stunned completely stunned that magic mark said fuck and um i remember being pleased by how much impact that had made but i really did always think that i'd struggle to be super family friendly but then you got to realize in real life i'm a scout leader as well so i have to curb my language then i I guess swearing it's when i'm comfortable with someone and without wishing to be too cross i'm fucking comfortable around you mate drop the f-bombs galore it's all good now i do have to say obviously Perfect. You sound like a, like an episode of Game of Thrones with the Hound in. If you know who the Hound is in Game of Thrones, of course. Swear it. Um, but a couple of these podcasts, like people like Ryan Myers, he kind of drops a couple of swear words. I had uh, Lucy Openshaw on yesterday. She kind of drops a few swear words. Now Mike Angus is known as being one of the nicest guys in this business. I've never seen him anything less than absolutely positive and optimistic. And when I did my podcast for him, I made it my mission to break him because I'm an idiot. So good. Uh, it took me an hour, like almost an hour to the second, 
he dropped the F-bomb and he was a bit gutted with himself because I, I told him outright I'm going to break him. He's like, no, no, it's all good and whatever. We, yeah, I broke him. <laughs> That's bizarre because he works for TNT, which is explicitly over 18. You'd think he'd be effing and jeffing all the time. It's, it's one of them things. It is a very crazy turn of life. Um, but obviously, I, I've done your podcast. Uh, thank you very much, by the way, for that. Obviously, it's called Don't Say the C Words. And now we're getting you on. Now, ever since you did a, an interview at one of my shows last year, I think it's the first show of last year, I've been wanting to kind of sit down and pick your brains on something. Here we go. Because you did, you did a, uh, you took part in a documentary that was filmed at the first show of last year. I think it's our March show. And it oh, was, well, you I, was and Sh- I was sat next to Shug, right? Yeah, yeah, you sat next to Sugar, and you said something that completely blew my mind. I thought I'd kind of heard, for the most part, everything that you can hear in this business, every good thing, every bad thing, all this sort of stuff. And you let out one little comment, and when I watched it back, it never occurred to me. Now, I've been in this business for 13 years now. I've been a fan of it since I was about four, so I've been like late 80s, 88, 89, mm. something like this. And it never occurred to me at all that homophobia could be a thing in wrestling. It just it never would have ever occurred to me because for the most part, it's men. For the most part, it's fake tan, babe oil, skimpy gear. I thought, surely if any one business, any one strand of entertainment is going to be safe from homophobia, it's going to be wrestling. Yeah, but you're coming at it from a fella who isn't a douchebag's kind of perception you didn't really think about it because you don't really think well you don't at all think any horrid homophobic shitty wanker fucking thoughts you know you aren't like that you you you'll have a laugh and a joke with hi your gay friends but you're you there is no hate in your heart so you don't really think like that because that isn't you because that, that's kind of what, why I wanted to sort of pick your brain. Because you said in this uh, interview, which it is up on our YouTube channel, if anyone listens to this wants want to go and have a little nosy, it's uh, youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling for you. Um, and you kind of say that obviously you, you wanted to start out as a wrestler. What kind of timestamp would you put on that? What year would that have been? Well, as a kid, I wanted to be a wrestler. Doesn't everybody who watched wrestling? So let me think. I first started watching around WrestleMania 9, so that's 93, roughly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so from 93, I wanted to be a wrestler, and I was always, always still into the wrestling through to the Attitude Era, and I think I just didn't know where to start. It was one of those jobs that simply wasn't, accessible i couldn't be a brain surgeon because i wasn't that clever i couldn't be a wrestler because i wasn't that big and i wasn't american and so when i saw that you could when i saw the advert for when future shock wrestling were opening their training school i actually saw that advert because i was in manchester at the time i bottled it because i thought people wouldn't want to grapple with the gay boy it's it's honestly that's it sounds really really crazy because I mean wrestling as we said yeah it, it could be uh, deemed I, don't, I hate to put in this term as a bit of a gay thing because it's mainly men oiled up should, should we use a should we use a better term how about homoerotic 
I've got the certain words my voice can't make because I've got a bit of a speech impediment. Homoerotic. Anything with an R in is very difficult. But oh, that yeah. that viewpoint where people go, oh, that's just a gay. It's like, oh, for God's sake. Like, why why are you saying that word? It's it's so bloody stupid. So that's not me saying it. That's just what I've heard mm. over the um, So, like, it just never would have occurred to me that that could happen in this business. Now, uh, uh, um, a bit of racism. Yeah, occasionally that, that does... Um, rear its ugly heads uh, in this business. Sexism, most definitely. I think women get the short, yeah, when we get the short end of the stick in this business. Um, but it just never would have crossed my mind. And it's just watching that interview. It just, it's just like discovering something when you're late enough into your sort of age. I mean, I'm 36 in a couple of days, and I thought I could, I've taught, been taught everything that I could be taught. So when I watched that back, and I thought, oh shit. It's just mm. like discovering something brand spanky new, and it just kind of blew my head up a little bit. Well, I mean, long, not that long, long ago, maybe six or seven years ago, I did an interview with the, I was the only openly gay, um, the only openly gay non-wrestling performer that I knew about in British wrestling, certainly on the indies, there might have been perhaps some yellow coats or red coats or whatever in the Butlin scene. Um, and I interviewed the only openly gay wrestler on the British scene, which was Christopher Saint. And I remember it was the most listened to episode of Brit Rest Chat that we ever had because people were genuinely interested in what people had to say about it. I also got Christopher Saint's number. <laughs> I mean, did, did you? Was that a, a thought in the back of your head? You know, why is he a good-looking dude? Am I? Am I get a number out of it? Um, <laughs> it's so long ago. I remember flirting with him. I can't remember how much I meant it. We're friends now, and we never, you know. Um, but I remember um, it felt like such a big deal, and it's only six or seven years later, and it doesn't feel like it's any kind of a deal anymore. We've got a lot of openly gay, openly LGBT performers in, in British wrestling. And yeah. I think the scene has benefited from that. Yeah. I, yeah. I think when you hit the nail on the head on that, I think um, with the range of characters that wrestling kind of goes through, I mean, I kind of think if any business is going to kind of break through and just make it such a level playing field across all sexes, all genders, all sexualities, blah, 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 I'd love to imagine that wrestling is going to be the first. I don't know if that's going mm. to be the case, but, you know, we've got living dead zombies and this and that and the other, and all this, all these weird and wonderful characters are for, if, if, yeah, if it's going to happen, it's going to be wrestling that, that does it. But, but I guess we'll have to, to wait and be seen on that one. I guess the reality is wherever you are, there's prejudice and it's not necessarily the standard prejudices, you know, racism or class dispute or anything like that. But wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, whatever your social group, there are going to be prejudices. And the best you can do is be aware and call people when they're not cool. Well, th th this is one that kind of caught me off guard, and I think I've told it in, in an interview as well. Um, but one kind of caught me off guard, one incident. So I was up 
Uh, it's the main part of Stoke. It's called Hanley. There's lots of shops and all this sort of stuff. And I was putting a poster up for our Method to Our Madness show. And on the poster, it's Sugar Dunkson, it's Luna Rocks, and... Oh, fuck, who's the third person? I want to say it's Keith. I could be wrong, but right. it's, 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 it's a white guy. I remember that, right? So you've got a black guy in the middle, you've got a pink-haired lady on the right, and a white, uh, a white guy on the far left. So I'm putting the poster up in a, I think it's like a little cafe or something. And a customer comes to the other side of like the window door where I was putting it up and kind of stares kind of like at the poster and by definition stares at me as well because I'm putting it up. And he's staring at me for a long time. So I think, oh, I'm going to kind of converse with him. He might be a fan. I could talk him into buying tickets. So on. Mm. So kind of like pops me on the corner. Hey, I'm mate, you're you a wrestling fan. And he's staring at smack bang in the middle of the poster with a bit of a disgruntled face, but I'm trying to be happy and cheery. Okay, mate, you're a wrestling fan. Do you want to come along? Blah, 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 blah. He says, mm. oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they should be wrestling on the show. And because he's... What? Oh, no, it, this, this, is the, this is the sort of difference making this. Because he's staring at the middle of the poster, I thought, oh, shit. I'm going to have a bit of a racist sort of uh, confrontation with this guy. And, like... Who am I to him? Who is he? Who is he to me? But I can I have this conversation in the middle of a shop with a person I don't know. Blah blah blah. And his comments are kind of leading me to believe he's saying these things about sugar, especially because he's the sort of dominant one in the poster. He's smack bang in the middle, and he says yeah. a few more comments. In my day, I don't think they'd be allowed it, and all this sort of thing. I'm thinking, oh shit! Like, how do I get out of this conversation? And I'm trying to walk away, and I see the last comment that he made was, "Yep." I'm never going to a show where women are performing. Oh. Okay. It's still not cool, though, is it? No, 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 not, not at all, by all means. But I, I thought I was going down a very like, one-way route with him, and he was he chucked a different kind of prejudice at me that I didn't anticipate. I was like, oh, you're still a dick for making that comment, but you know what I mean? Maybe that's on me that I prejudged him. But again, he's, it's, it's still not a nice viewpoint. I just assumed he was probably a racist, judging by the comments. And it turns out that he's more sexist than racist. Prejudice be prejudice, man. It, it's a fucking weird world in which we live when that's, that's the comment, you know what I mean? It's, oh, I thought you were this kind of bad, but you're not that kind of bad, you're this kind of bad. It's a fucking it, weird old world. Can I throw something to you on the subject of wrestling posters? Always. I've always had a laugh and a joke with Sam Bailey and RJ Singh and other non-white performers about how you have to have some a non-white on every poster that you put up. Is that something that you genuinely would consciously do on your wrestling posters? Always make sure you've got someone who's not white on it. Well, no, I, I don't give a shiny shit. I, I don't want the typical... WWE 2K20 create a wrestler, a standard wrestler pose where you just clench your fists in your regular gear and don't even pull a face. I like faces. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm nearly everyone on our posters. Couldn't give a shit what background they are, what, what skin colors they are. Couldn't mm. give a shit. I just like faces, you know, and, and poses and that larger than life action kind of. I mean, thing. I know. I know for certain that you aren't a racist, you aren't a sexist. There's, you, you, you're a good guy. You love everybody. Well, no, you hate everybody. Um, and, um, 
that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that if you didn't include a black person or an Asian person or a non-white person on your your poster, that would be because you happened to be pushing people who aren't ethnic minorities on your show or you like you say you'd seen a good face and it happened to be a white one and um i know that you wouldn't do that out of anything other than this is what my shows you know and i do you not fear scrutiny over it um sort of i mean there was um uh, a lady, I don't think it's fair to name her, but she put a, a post out on her Facebook saying, if you've got female performers on your show, you have to have them on your poster. Hmm. And this is a female wrestling talent. I, was, I won't name her. Uh, I don't think it's, ne- it's necessarily a bad thought, but for, you know, for the sake of this conversation, like I won't name her. And there's comments going backwards and forwards. Like, I get the thought process behind that because you want to advertise a bit of everything that you've got. But also, if it's not going to bring, if it's not, not going to put people, yeah, you know, bums in seats, does it overly matter? I mean, there, there are some companies that put all of their talent on a poster, like RWA, they've got all of their talent on a poster. For me, it's a mm. bit too, bit too cluttered. I don't want to see 40 faces. I, I, obviously, I don't give a shit. I just want a few, you know, poses and facial expressions and just sell me the, that kind of action. I, I don't overly give a shit. If it's well, well, there's a difference people. between pro wrestling for you and RWA, though, in as much as RWA runs through their training school. So they're going to be putting all the people's faces on the training school because from the training school, they're going to be putting them on the poster because it's going to be mainly family and friends that come yeah. and see that show. Whereas... For pro wrestling for you, you've built up a local audience. You don't have a training school. So it is very different in that instance, I think. Yeah. I mean, like, if, if people do choose to do that, like, I sort of get it. I don't agree, but I sort of at least get the thinking behind, oh, I want to have a bit of everything on a poster. Like, oh, you want a bit of diversity. You want to show that we're open and whatever. But, like, we don't say the word intergender on our shows. No. I I mean, at one point we did, but and we don't say British bombshells anymore, even though we do promote each other and whatever. We just take people for people. We don't care what their background is or their colour or their gender or sexuality or yeah. anything. We just want people to be people. And just over, to just... over the years, I've tried to inclusify my language. When I first started, it would be good evening, ladies and gentlemen, whereas now I'm like, good evening, everyone. You know, I have deliberately changed the way I phrase things. It means exactly the same, but it's less it, it, it's less exclusive. It's more inclusive. It's more everybody rather than putting these two pigeonholes, ladies and gentlemen, you know. And that was a conscious choice by me to do that, I think, as I matured as a as a performer. I mean, I think like a lot of the world is kind of waking up and not being so short-sighted and taking a lot of things under consideration. Um, uh, like the, the, there's, uh, there's toilets where we go to this uh, Stoke Comic Con and the toilet just says, there's a sign on the door that says, you know what, these are toilets. No, no other comment needed. And it literally says that on the thing. Guys, girls, whatever, whoever, just, it's a toilet. Do you need a gender? Does anyone give a shit? 
No. I, I like that not anyone who isn't a douchebag. No, but although, and this is a story I've not told many people, so when uh, we go to do Stoke Comic Con, uh, we don't do a show, we've just literally got merch tables set, uh, set up, and we sell T-shirts, masks, DVDs, figures, and we promote our shows and all that usual stuff. Which is so cool. Yeah. I love that you go to a Comic Con. Uh, it's, it just makes sense. You know, lots, you know, lots of wrestling fans are quite nerdy-ish, and I include myself in that, so go to the heart of it. So. Mm. We go to uh, go to um, Stoke Comic Con, and we're there an hour before they let in, so we can set up. And there's me and Daniel Tevy there. Dan's kind of like my sort of right hand man. He's always a, a good person to steam in that direction and tell me to go off the deep end. All the usual shit. So, <laughs> dude, like, uh, you've gone for breakfast, and he's oh, like, I'll give him money. He gets breakfast, he brings it back. I said, like, I've set up a bit of the table. If you set up the rest of the table, I'm just going to go knit the toilet because once you're kind of there, it's ten when it opens. You can't leave till four. So Oof. six hours, it, it, it's a bit of a jaunt. I mean, there's two hours we can take each other out, but for the most part, I want to be meeting and greeting all that stuff. So if I'm going to go knit the toilet now. So run off and I, I'm trying, I don't want to be too crude. Apologies about this, anyone. But I'm quite a regular person. Typically, between nine and half nine, I know what I'm doing. Lovely. Um, it's a lot of Weetabix. It is what it is. So I'm doing that in the, this all-inclusive toilet. And I wasn't aware that someone was in the next cubicle to me. And I didn't overly think about it. I was just there to just do what I needed to do. Now, I can like flush the toilet. And as I open the door to come out, the cubicle next to me, they flushed the toilet and came out through their cubicle. And just out of pure curiosity, I kind of like looked to my right. And it was Marlene from Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> I love it. Like her and Boise come to a lot of the Snow Comic Cons. I was like, oh, I've just had a dump next to Marley and Pupils and Horses. This is fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's your claim to fame, is it? You had a cack sat next to fucking Marlene. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, I, I, I am in the presence of greatness. Oh, I just, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't get any better than this. So we're. <laughs> Mate. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even hear anyone was there. I was just there to do what I do. So, yeah, it's so it's a weird one. It's definitely, definitely a weird one. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So we're, we're going to get back to you a little bit. So obviously, so at what point did you kind of get into this wrestling business? So if you saw these posters and thought, I don't want to go because people might be a bit prejudiced against you, that sort of thing. Um, now, I've seen you wrestle a little bit. You've got involved in rumbles and matches and all this sort of stuff. So you can tell you've definitely done some training because you look a lot more comfortable in the ring than I am. Well, that's kind of you to say. I'm not sure that's true. I've had one match and I've been in about three or four rumbles. So where, where did that stem from? I, you must have I, you've gone to training somewhere at some point. Um, yeah, I did. I trained at um, the Future Shock training school when it was Dave Rain before um, it split into two, the, the the training school and the promotion where that was split. But um, I trained with Dave Rain not really long after I'd started ring announcing for Fight Club Pro. I Obviously, Fight Club Pro is where I'm from in Wolverhampton and Manchester, but I live in Manchester. So I got I just got chatting to Dave Rain when we had Colt Cabana for Fight Club Pro and made sense for me to drive him to Manchester. So I got chatting to Dave Rain and 
I had kind of given up the idea of being a wrestler because I'd left it too late. I was at the time I was early mid thirties. I got chatting to Dave and he said, well, why don't you come and give it a go just for fitness? And I like wrestling and I was a bit of a mess. So why not? So I just trained and I got to this kind of level where I could have perfectly, perfectly acceptable one and a half star training matches with most people. But, you know, by the time that happened, I was I was 36, 37, 38. And that's not when you should be starting a career. And everyone goes, DDP, name <laughs> someone else other than DDP. There's the, the, one the, the, man. There's one man who started his career at forty, and it's DDP. Yeah. And everyone goes, nye, 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 DDP. Name me a second person. Uh, the Boogeyman. Name me a third. Santino Morella. No, he was in his thirties. Late. Come on, we might need to look this one up. But you what know what I'm saying? It's very, yeah, yeah. very unlikely. <clears throat> Body-wise, things do start to slow down as you kind of get to your middle to late yeah. 30s. I'm, I'm finding that at 36. You know, my mm. back's seizing up a little bit at times. But I'd also got my niche in wrestling. By, by the time I was even vaguely resembling show-ready, I was a well-respected journeyman commentator. I'm, and I'm comfortable with that as my rep. So there was no real need for it. I kind of liked the idea of maybe having a storyline where um, I was bullied by one of the wrestlers and then I stood up to them but it never really happened and I kind of drifted away from training I had other things on and I just knew that if it needed it I could do a rumble you you, you've you've booked me to do a spot in one of your rumbles where um I I bro kicked your champ Well, I think that was, um, was he the, ta- I think he was a tag champ at that point. Was, oh, he, was Dave- he the tag champ, was he? Yeah, the, Dave Dovecchio, the guy you famously put an inch on every time you mention him. Oh, I love doing that. I do it deliberately now. <laughs> if we go on much longer, it's going to be about 6.10. So? Crazy. I'm fine with it. It's just funny when I go back and just watch it because it's just, he's Dave Dovecchio, six foot two, and then the following year, Dave Dovecchio, six foot three, towering over his uh, competitors. Uh, Next year, Dave Dovecchio, six foot four, and it just it just keeps getting bigger and better. I'm, it's great. I've been doing the same with Keith Myatt's age, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> when I, I remember when he was he was um, he was hit pretty heavily, and I was like, "You can't do that. He's an octogenarian." And uh, <laughs> I just I, I like that Keith is a good sport. Another good sport is Big T, but I've never ever had the opportunity to commentate on him as a heel, so I can't really take the piss out of him because he's babyface wherever I've worked. But I want to speculate what the T stands for and come up with these more and more ridiculous names like Tarquin and he Terry really, and yeah, Tallulah. He really does not like you when you call him Tarquin, especially in front of other people because he's been at our show and you've called him Tarquin. <laughs> and he does this <laughs> face where he's suppressing, wanting to just kill you. He's like... Big no, like it's... <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him chop people. I don't think I'm going to be one of those people that wants to piss him off. Have you ever put your hand up against Big T's hand? It's like a plate. Well, like, like I've shaken his hands when he's at shows and stuff. Oh, it's, true. It's, 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 yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, he's, he's a gentle giant. He's, he's a lovable soul, this Big T. I don't, but I don't think I'm going to call him Tarquin anytime soon. I'm, I'm fond of Big Tarquin, and um, he was very, very kind to my family at one of your shows, actually. My um, cousin's kids, at like five, six, seven, eight, they were absolutely in awe of him. And I, I came to talk to them after the show, and I said, who was your favourite? Big T! And I was like, right, do you want to meet Big T? And so I bought... I bought tea over and he was really, really kind to my family and, you know, kind of like gave them high fives and photos and all that. And he didn't need to. He could have, you know, got his shit together and left. But he he took a decent amount of time to just have a quick chat. And the kids were over the moon. And that's that's the best bit of this business, really, I think, is that you realise how much of a difference you can make in people's lives just by being part of that show i mean i mean yeah i think you've, you've hit the nail on the head it's um i think it would have been the first show he did for us i don't remember the year i don't we were at the holy trinity venue in newcastle and it was a bit of a setup where it was drill versus dan evans with natalie wilde on the outside and the referee checks the match out because mark morgan jumps to the ring they both beat down on drill and um, Big T comes out, and the the hard cam kind of like panned, it's obviously panned out anyway, but captures so much of the crowd that had no idea who was coming out. Because we've not really got a wrestling fan crowd. We've got, we've got a strange but lovely crowd. But So they didn't know what to expect when the music kind of hit. And mm. you just see on the footage the entire right-hand side of that venue, because they would have been the last people to see him, because it's... There's like a bit of a lip in the wall where the entranceway is. So he comes out and a few of my friends are kind of like like leaning over to see who it is. And the camera catches perfectly my mate Kim and a few of of the little, uh, I think the nephews or cousins, whatever. And Kim in front of the little kids goes, fuck it, Al! Where she sees, <laughs> she completely forgets where she is, who she's around. Well, you can see clear as day, just the F word coming out of her face. And it was moments like that you go, that's pretty it's funny. Cool. Oh, yeah, funny. it is. Yeah, it is. And um, T really is a phenomenon before he's hit a move. And, you, you you know, you can't replicate that other than being someone who's dead big, in it. <laughs> that's the most like uh, working class I've ever heard you sound. It's really strange. That's really strange. You know, T is so big that I can't fit him in my current car. <laughs> He's too big. Where would you put someone who's legitimately six foot eight? This isn't me exaggerating on commentary. Legitimately six foot eight. Where the fucking hell would you put him in a Toyota Yaris? <laughs> <laughs> I've had bigger cars in the past and T's been a regular passenger. I, I love T. We, we've had brilliant road trips. But I just genuinely don't think I could fit him in my current car. I'm, I'm going to have to ask now, whose car was it that we had, um, would it have been yourself, Hemi T, Grod, uh, Big T and Cyanide? I, I that was actually a show that I missed. You had five people in a car and it wasn't my car, it was Grod's car. And you had T and Cyanide in the same car. <laughs> I don't know how the car got there. I don't know. So it must have been Grod, Big T, 
Cyanide, and must have been the Barney Army, because I realised that was the show I announced, and you weren't at the commentary table. So That's yeah, right. you would have been in that car. Um, not trying this- to make it, make it sound like Mark heard about me being commentary, uh, being announced, and for fuck that, I'm not doing it. That's not the case at all. Even though I'm not that great to be a. Yeah, I, 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 I get through it. That's what it is. Mm. Um, yeah, how that car got to Stoke and back, I will never know because. We're talking what fifty stone maximum? Well, more than well, 50. cyanide. Who is now known as Crater? He is, or at least has been, legitimately again because wrestling exaggerates. But this is not an exaggeration. He has at some points he does fluctuate by <laughs> four, five, six stone sometimes. But he has been over thirty stone. That's a lot of person. I mean, and the best thing about it is he's the nicest guy in the world. Sorry, I don't want to like ruin any characters or whatever, but he really is the nicest guy in the world. I'm very fond of the performer who plays Crater, yes. But Crater is scary as hell. Yeah, I mean, there's no two ways about it. If that can walk into you, it's got that almost Michael Myers from Halloween kind mm-hmm. of feel, where if he's just walking at you, especially with that mask on, there's something about you where you, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you think, mm, I need to be a little bit precautious. I don't know why I need to be precautious because I've not done anything. But there is a, an air of, just be careful. Just be careful yeah. a little bit. It's not like Michael Myers. It's like two Michael Myerses. <laughs> it's, uh, it's more the, the ominous uh, sort of vibe more than size and weight and all that sort of thing. Well, That's what's kind, of, kind of what I'm getting for. Regularly, when I've worked on shows with Crater or Cyanide, as he was, we've worked out that the commentary team weighs less than him. Together. I love him. He's so so, so nice. But uh, mean as anything, keeping character. Uh, Tank of a human. Yeah. But, but very, like, very... Um, oh, no, I'm not, not, not going to tell that story, because I don't want to dig myself into a hole, so I'm going to skip over telling that little story. Probably wise. I know your stories. Exactly. I'm just... Yeah. Um, so obviously, lockdown's been going on for what seems like forever. And I'm going to have to say, if it wasn't for the Don't Say the C Word podcast, I don't know if I'd be doing these Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops podcasts. Oh. I've got to give you a lot of credit because I could thought about it, but I seriously hate my own voice. And I know everybody says that about their own voice, but it's quite stoky accents, quite nasal at times. It, I just sound a bit simple and nasal. So no, I don't agree with that. To hear myself, I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. Maybe I'll give it to Daniel Terry or someone else to do. I don't know. But no one was going to be asking the questions and trying to get a little bit of controversy like I knew that I could do and knew that I wanted to do. So I kind of had to yeah. chuck myself at the deep end a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I think that came across in the podcast that you did with me. I'm, for people who don't know, I'm doing a daily podcast during the lockdown called don't say the c word and it was just to keep me busy because i can't do any of my work it's not obviously it's not just commentary that i do wrestling work that i do i've got work in schools i've got work with in in children's parties i've got work that um is all essentially gig work my business i don't have a day-to-day job my business is my celebrant work so i i do non-religious 
weddings, funerals and naming ceremonies. I can only currently do funerals. That is all the work I have. I supplement my celebrant business with zero hour contract stuff like wrestling. And, you know, I've I've even done cat sitting in the past. But um, I love the cat sitting. Um, I've got so little work on and I don't want to waste my time. So I've started podcasting an obscene amount. And I think four new podcasts have happened, maybe five or six even because I've been doing that because people want a podcast people want to get their voices out there people want honestly people want to spend time with their friends in any way that they can when they can't go and meet them in the pub I, I, yeah I definitely agree I think the wrestling community whether it's um, referees whether it's res- uh, wrestlers announcers commentators managers whatever I'd say for the most part we're quite a creative bunch quite an artistic bunch That's we fair. like to we like to create from nothing. That's why I love this business. I love just getting to a show and the whole card has changed. People have dropped out. People have been added in. This, that, and the other. And you just have to do it. You know, again, it plays mm. into that, that improv and impromptu kind of vibe that I go after. That's why I, I love wrestling. And I think finding a way to continue to continue creating that's what a lot of wrestlers and people in this business are kind of about. They want to just keep on going. I've got an idea. I can't go to a show to do it. Okay, well, we'll do it verbally somehow. Mm. I think what I've realized from doing a, a daily podcast, you know, I have taken a week off here and I'm taking a week off very soon. Um, but regularly, I've done, in less than three months, I've done over 60 episodes. I, I've realized that what I miss the most about wrestling isn't the shows. I know that's a really weird thing to say. It's it's the road trips. I miss just driving along with two, three, four mates in the car, just gassing about everything and nothing. And I, I remember like I, I, I did an episode with Big Guns Joe. I did an episode with Ethan Allen. And it just felt like they're my regular crew to to Hope Wrestling, which is my most frequent gig. And I I felt I realized just how much I miss them and how much I miss the chat and the the fun that we have and and and, and winding up winding up Ethan Allen with eighties music rocks my world. And <laughs> I just I hadn't even realized what i valued the most about wrestling until wrestling was taken away from me and it's clearly the friendships and camaraderie that i've made through 10 years of doing what i couldn't have imagined i could have done as a kid but it's not what i wanted as a kid that matters it's what i've got now wow but I, I don't think I could I could put it into those kind of terms. I'm not that philosophical, but you just again you've hit the nail on the head. For each one of these podcasts that I've done now, every single person says the same. Like we love the wrestling, that's our bread and butter, that's how we all got to know each other, and that's the reason we're at a show, a place of time or whatever. But it's the stuff that fans don't see, like those car journeys. Mm. That um I'll, I'll I'll share a little one with you. I think it was me. It was Dave Darvecchio, it was Kim Rocks, and I think it was uh, Leanne Marie, Leanne Withington. So, yeah. 
We're coming back from Liverpool and we're all hungry after a show and you're kind of limited to you know, whatever takeaways are open, typically McDonald's. So we pull onto the McDonald's in the Liverpool um, car park here for the drive through and we're speaking through the little speaker box thing, you know, the little whatever. And we decided it'd be funny to try and order some ice cream and see if they were thinking <laughs> an ice cream. And it was the stupidest thing in the world. We're, <laughs> we're on video because we have like a little video on the inside and all this sort of thing. So we're trying to keep a straight face. And but we're trying to do it so subtly. And we're asking all these stupid questions. And I'm going to hate myself if I try and do the voice because this is where Dave, Dave Recchio goes into his own element. He can do voices quite well. So he nice. starts with, uh, can, I, can I order some uh, chocolate ice cream? Like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We do uh, chocolate desserts and this sort of thing. Yeah, because I really like my ice cream. As- ice cream, I like to put my finger in my ice cream. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. But it was the funniest thing in the world, especially when you're trying to suppress those laughs. You're like, oh, don't give it away. Don't give it away. Just yeah. <laughs> And it's stuff like that. You just you, you, We get our ice cream. We go driving off down the road. And we're laughing for the next 15 and 20 minutes. <laughs> Do you know? I um I I love how it's always fucking McDonald's. The only time I have McDonald's is at about midnight on the way home from a show, because it's the only thing that's open. I just before we we were locked down, I converted to vegetarianism, and I was absolutely petrified that I'd come home fucking ravenous. But the tell you what, McDonald's. Veggie nuggets, man. Get in. They are fit. Like, well fit. Well, what, what are they made of? Are they tofu or are they something else? Vegetables. Oh, fucking oh. Yeah. But they taste nice. <laughs> but um, I remember there was this one stop for McDonald's at a service station at bollocks o'clock on the way home for a show. Every fucking weekend it happens. But this one, we it was two cars that convened at the same service station so that we could eat at the same time on our way home and in one car was me and big joe and ethan and all of my regulars and the other one there was big t and i love big joe big joe will find it funny that i tell this story t will not Um, (laughs) we were in the loo and it was one of those service stations with the gigantic toilets there must have been like a run across the wall of 20 different urinals yeah and there was only three of us there was big joe big t and me and um i was just finishing up and washing my hands as big t comes in just picks a random one kind of vaguely in the middle of the uh, i'm gonna crease here in the middle of this run of urinals and big joe (laughs) could have picked any of them but he picked the one right next to t (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there's this whole fucking run of toilets and there was this ty- this guy who's like what five seven makes this guy who's six eight and <laughs> it looked like that scene from um what's that fucking adam sandler film where he's uh, pissing on a wall next to a kid oh uh, is it big daddy that's it it looked like the front cover of that dvd <laughs> And I was howling with laughter. And this one thing that can make me laugh even harder, it's Big T's pout. 
oh, he had the poutiest pout because he was so pissed off. And it was, and he was even more pissed off when he realised I'd taken a photo of it. Fucking hell. I love that. I can picture Joe doing it as well. Like, I yeah. wasn't there, but I can so fucking picture him doing it. He's, he's, he's such a wind-up merchant, and I love it. Amazing. So I'm, I'm going to have to, because you've been on fucking God knows how many road trips over the past decade or so. Um, oh, what, you any, more little, any more little um, sort of nuggets and stories you want to share with us? Any that you might be a bit wary of, but think, fuck it, go on. There was a road trip where um, I had a car accident and um, I basically, I I was paid 30 quid for the gig and uh, it cost significantly more to fix the car. That was unpleasant. In fact, there was, there's two, two gigs where I, where I had an accident on the way home. I shouldn't be allowed on the fucking road, I don't think. Um, Now you, now you've put me on the spot. So, so there was the road trip where um, I was playing like a random playlist of 80s songs and um, Boys, Boys, Boys by Sabrina comes on. And I really like Boys, Boys, Boys. It's funny as fuck. It's a terrible 80s song. Do you know the song I'm talking about? Vaguely, I, I just about recall it. Boys, boys, boys are looking uh, for a good time. Boys, 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 I'm ready for your love. That one. And um, that came on. And Ethan Allen did not like it. <laughs> so um, I, I clocked this. And the next time I turned up at his house, I was blaring boys, boys, boys as loud as I possibly could. And he walks out and pulls the face. And the next time I turned up his house, I was playing boys, boys, boys. And he pulled a face. And the next time I turned up at his house, (laughs) and for the last 12 months, every time I've turned up to Ethan Allen's house, I've been playing Boys, Boys, Boys by Sabrina. I've got got a playlist on my Spotify called Ethan's Playlist. And it's one song. It's Boys, Boys, Boys by Sabrina. Oh, my (laughs) Ethan, if you listen to this, I'm so sorry, but that is funny as fuck. I've got to to give it to him. (sighs) That boy is so easy to wind up. I love him to pieces. He's brilliant. And he he does, he kind of, he's he's just kind of like accepted it now. And and, and what I love is his mum thinks it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) She she should be like in the kitchen. She's got, oh, Mark's here. (laughs) <laughs> Again, like to, to wrestling fans that have never been in this business, um, shows might sound a bit glamorous. Perhaps you get to kind of you know, perform and all this sort of thing, um, and it is cool. We absolutely love it, but it's this stuff that's the icing and the cherry that's on the cake. I think. <laughs> I mean, you, like for we'll give a little, little overview of kind of like what to expect early doors in British wrestling. So. The, whoever the promoter is, they want to fill up a car from whatever area you're in. Yeah. And so most of the time, there's five of you in a punto. You've got your bags on your knees, so you're not comfortable. Um, the only person least, who's comfortable is the driver. Yeah, and pretty much. And even they've got like knees in their back. 
Mm. Um, and so there's five of you in the punter, bags on knees. Um, at least three of you have probably got the protein farts on the go, so it stinks in the car. Someone's trying to eat some food from a Tupperware tub that smells like uh, broccoli and bum holes. Like Honestly. It, it, oh, it, it was you started that, you know. Say proof. You're living proof. It's it's one of them things, isn't it? It's just the Tupperware smell. You're like, oh, for God's sake. And Liggs, was, Liggs was infamous for being the guy who never bought anything at a service station because he'd always got Tupperwares full of chicken and rice and that kind of thing. And people started clocking on. Wait a minute. Liggs is getting paid X amount of money. We're getting paid X amount of money, but we're losing a tenner of it because we go and buy some shitty from the McDonald's, whereas he spent three quid on that chicken and rice, which is better for him. And as people clocked that on, 10 years later, every fucker's got chicken and rice in their bag and it always stinks. It always, always does stink. It's like wrestling. I think the best way to sum it up, other than being a discipline, is we are all suffering for our art. I think that's how I look at wrestling because nobody in this business really gets paid all that much. I think that's a fair assumption. And me as a promoter, I'm willing to, to say that. So I'm not going to put figures to that you know, comment, but nobody really gets paid a lot of money for what we put into this. We do it because we love it, but you're traveling quite uncomfortably. Um, you're at the show. Sometimes you've got a lot of people, Some, yeah, but sometimes there might be a quiet crowd. Sometimes you've got to wrestle in front of 10 people, 7 people, whatever. My um, lowest was 13, I think. Oh, God, where was that at? That was uh, in West Bromwich. Did we ask the promotion or did we skip it's over? It's long, long gone. It's a promotion called Phoenix Pro Wrestling. It was the second place that ever employed me and I had so much fun there, but it's 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 long, long gone. I mean, it's like I, I, I've got to hold my hands up and say not every Pro Wrestling for You show has been a hit. I've got to say, there's no two ways about it. We did a show um 2017. It was in Maidley. I can't remember the name of the show, but it was two weeks before one of our regular Silverdale shows. And this venue was attached to like a care home kind of deal. Oh, um, I remember that gig. Yep. Yeah, and there would have been 50, 60 people there. And we were kind of expecting 100, 120. And we put out a lot of chairs. And when half of them were filled or some had to be taken away so people in wheelchairs and those kinds of things um like a wheelchair with a table built into it and they were kind of sat there in the front row eating food that the canteen had brought them it's just a very weird setup and wasn't scenario. that the one with the changing room that had a fucking patio door and no curtain so we were all just basically getting us ke- getting in us keks in front of a window yep that was the one yeah, I remember because I got my um, I got my Punisher pants. I was wearing um, <laughs> Marvel Comics knickers. I mean, it did have two little rooms within this room which you could get changed, but yeah. But for the most part, it was just all a big, as you said, patio front that people walking past could see in and see all these wrestlers and and whatever. So, but I don't want to give the impression that all our shows have been greatly attended and all this sort of thing. We've we've had our misses. I can't deny that. Yeah, I think the lowest we've ever done would have been about 40 people, 50 people, tops. Maybe that one immediately. Maybe the, the second ever show we did at Jumping Jacks. I don't know. One of my biggest flaws that I shouldn't do when I'm at a wrestling show 
is I count the audience and work out how much money the promoters made. I shouldn't and fucking do it. I do that when it goes to other, other promotions. I re- I do that. But I um I worked one show and I'm definitely not going to tell you which one it is because they are still going. But I worked one show where they'd booked a performer who his fee is a hundred quid, and plus his travel was going to be probably 40 or 50 quid as well and i counted the number of people in and they hadn't paid for that performer including his exes they hadn't paid for that performer and i'm like where the fuck has this money come from it's one it's one of them things i've had one of those kinds of issues i was um i don't mind saying the company name because again the they're not around anymore and it says what it is it's called pro wrestling kingdom is run by ryan smile i've heard of kingdom uh, down, i was down in birmingham something like that and uh, i was managing chris brooks and dan maloney and there was loads of people on the card, like uh, Pete Dunne and a few of these other people. Now, this obviously pre-WWE Pete Dunne, mm. but there's about 21 people in the audience, and a couple of those, like one of those was my driver, a couple of those was friends, and they hadn't paid to get in. And uh, Ryan come walk in the back, and to be fair, everybody got paid. There was never a case of um, no one not getting their fee, from what I could see. But to save face, he's like, yeah, it's not a good rule, but don't worry. The ones out there, they've paid for everything. And when you know how much everyone's on and how much rings cost, how much venues cost, you just kind of go, okay. Okay, just I'm saying nothing. Like, it's not up to me to prove you wrong. If you've got the money, that's cool. But just say it's it's yeah, it's a miss. I mean, I, I did very briefly look at... Well, it was, certainly wasn't promoting, but it was a form of it. When I qualified as a wedding celebrant, I looked at trying to do providing like packages to get married in a wrestling ring. So I'd be a ring announcer and there'd be a ring, there'd be the PA, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd, um, I'd then you'd have like two matches, get married, main event and the groom batters one of the bad guys. That was kind of like my plan, but you know, like to, two singles and a tag kind of a feel. So I was, uh, I did ask people for ring hire costs and PA costs and wrestler fees and stuff like that. And so I've got perhaps more knowledge of the kind of costs of stuff than some of the other people involved in wrestling do. And your ring hire is going to need a certain number of punters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's not a cheap you know, even if you own your ring you're still hiring fans and that sort of stuff to transport it there you're still yeah. incurring at least a minimum of 50 60 70 80 quid just for van hire alone yeah and i think i looked at the costs and i looked at what i was going to have to charge to do these wrestling weddings it was it was part of my plan of the training it was, i was definitely going to do this but then when i started to look at the cost and how much i was going to have to charge and it was only for two singles and a tag. No, no, no one was going to pay me that. Wrestling fans couldn't afford what I was going to have to charge to put on a wrestling wedding. Yeah, it's it's one of them. We, I think, oh god, what was the year? Um, 
there's a couple that still comes to the press in a few shows now. They got married a couple of years ago and they approached me after a Silverdale show. I was there with an ex-girl. No, they approached my ex-girlfriend. It was one before Leanne. So we're talking five years ago, six years ago, seven, something like that kind of line. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, are you the, the owner's girlfriend? She said, yeah. Said, oh, can we speak to him? So she rings me and I'm downstairs with, with you a lot after the show, paying wages or whatever. And I was like, a wedding? All right, I'll be up in two minutes. And they kind of collared me and wanted to do a wrestling show at their wedding. And he said, oh, we, we can pay you in buffet food. Uh, and really? I, love, I love this couple so much. They are the nicest people in the world. Just genuinely lovely, lovely people. Would do anything for anyone. And it's that moment where you go, uh, yeah. And I wrote, wrote them a little figure on a bit of paper and said, look, I don't own the ring. You have to hire the ring. You'd have to, if the... Wherever you're getting married needs a boxing wrestling license because you're putting on a show. So that's, I think it's about 21 quid for like a one day license, which is fine, but it's still money. So you've got like mm. the wrestling ring rental, you've got the license, you've got the obviously the insurance, you've got the talents, all this stuff. And I wrote my figure on a bit of paper and just said, like, I wouldn't want to do it to, you know, to make money. I could be cool to make a bit, but you know what? To be on a, a wedding, hell yeah, we'd do it. But this is what it would cost, absolute base rate, as cheap as we could get it without using shit. And they were just like, oh, okay, we just thought it'd be, we could just give you like 50 quid and some buffet food. Uh, yeah, they could give you 50 quid and some buffet food, but then they'd have to pay for everything else. Exactly. So needless to say, that that, that didn't go ahead. It would have been very, very cool, especially when you know, the priest, celebrant, whatever, says, uh, do you take this woman... Does the guy turn around to the audience and says, shall I? Because I would fucking love that. (laughs) Brilliant. I mean, there's no reason why we couldn't look at doing pro wrestling for you weddings with a qualified humanist celebrant. I just don't think this is absolutely no disrespect to the pro wrestling for you fans, but I just don't think they could afford it. They're not the kind of people that are... I'll be honest, to hire a celebrant, you need to be more affluent than someone who can only afford a registry office wedding. That's that's the reality of it. And I don't feel like wrestling tends to attract many affluent folk. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, would it be possible, so say if we had a show on November the 1st, just for argument's sake, mm. so we've, we've got a show penciled in in Silvedale, November the 1st this year. I don't even know what date it is, but whatever. And would it be possible to hold a wedding celebration at an already penciled-in wrestling show? So could we do it during the pre-show? Yeah, I don't know, there's no I don't reason know. why we couldn't do that. The, I mean, my, you don't need, at least not currently, you don't need a wedding license for a venue for a humanist wedding because they're not currently legal. It does mean that you would have to have a legal paper signing type situation for it's often like 20, 30, 40 quid at your local registry office to make the marriage legal. But you don't need to pay anything extra other than the the celebrant fees. And I'm, I'm quite happy to tell you what my fee is because it's on my website. I charge 500 quid for a wedding and that includes everything. That includes writing the script from scratch. That includes 
performing the script for you. It also includes the, you know, the the meeting with you to get the information I need and and a presentation script at the end. It's not cheap to to hire a humanist celebrant, but I genuinely believe that the service we provide is worth probably more than what we actually charge when you consider what people pay for fucking flowers or food at a wedding. It, it, it It's actually, in most cases of the weddings I've done, again, affluent people usually, it's a drop in the ocean a lot of the time. So I think that could work, you know, combining two birds, one stone, I can, that, that could work. Hopefully at some point I see it, but I think that'll be the coolest thing in the world, I'm not going to lie. All right, let's do business. We can talk business. Cool. So we're going to move on to the, the next segment, and this obviously gives you a little bit of a chance to get a little bit of, yeah, back. I've not really chucked you under the bus, so hopefully you're going to be kind. It's the APA section, Ask Phil Anything. So obviously I'm a performer, I'm a promoter. You can literally ask me whatever you want, and I am not going to hold back. I'll answer anything that you've got. Right. So I did think about this. I thought, well, I could talk about wrestling. Or I could talk about his private life. Or I could talk about this. I could talk about that. But what I want is I want to know your top five biscuits, your top five chocolate bars, your top five crisps, and your top five cheeses. Oh, well, cheeses is easy because I don't, I don't actually eat cheese. What's wrong with you? Cheese is like uh... the best thing in life. I, it goes hand in hand with tomatoes for me. I don't like tomatoes, and they're always kind of paired together on pizzas and stuff. So I just you don't like pizza. Things. No, because I don't eat cheese or tomato. That kind of rules out a lot of pizza. Good grief! But I don't I know. Eat, if can be friends. I eat, I eat like a caveman. I eat potatoes and meats. That's kind of it. You don't I eat biscuits. Like I eat biscuits and stuff, but in terms of like meals. 99% of my meals, it's some kind of potato, some kind of vegetables, and meat. I'm like very, very, very basic. <laughs> well, the, the inspiration for this came from a previous guest on your show, Mike Angus. My, my Don't Say the C Word podcast is I talk to a different guest about a different topic every day of the week. And it can be something I know a lot about, where so it's more kind of back and forth. Or it can be something I know fuck all about, and it's more of an interview format. And um, Mike came on and did Top 10 Biscuits, and that's inspired quite a lot of, like, Top 10 conversations on my podcast. So I thought, I'd bring it down to five, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine, right? Top five crisps. I've got sour cream and chive Pringles in at number five, followed by Paprika Max. Oh, they're so good at number four. Then uh, in three, Flaming Hot Monster Munch. In two, Quavers. And in one, Fight Me, Fucking Frazzles. <laughs> so, Phil, top five crisps. Oh, fucking hell. Okay. Ready Salted Squares. Nice. Um, I, and OC, my OCD is quite bad. If I have a crisp sandwich, square crisps tend to fit on bread quite well. I can see that. Good. Good reasoning. Yeah. I think that makes me a boring bastard, but it is what it is. So, ready salted squares, barbecue beef hula hoops. Smooth. I can see that. Um, Not for me, but I know they're a favourite. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, what the fuck? Uh, chicken McCoy's. Don't think I've had that. 
Like they've got a really good crisp to them and a bit, of, and a bit of a kick. So that's not too bad. Are they um, rich? They are ridges as, as I well. like ridgy crisps. Um, you're gonna you're gonna like number five on my list, but number four, crispy bacon crunchies, wheat crunchies. Oh, old school. And then last but not least, it's only a crisp I tend to find on holiday, and they come in those big suitcase-sized bag of crisps, ready salted ruffles. Oh, I remember them. Yeah, when you go on holiday, you sat on a little plastic patio chair, you got a big bag of ruffles, a, bag, a glass of Fanta lemon. Life is fucking good. That does sound good. Nice. Nice. Right, so, chocolate bars. At number five, I've got a Twix. At number four, the marvellous creations with the jelly and the beans and the popping candy fit. Number three, Boost. Good stuff. Number two, Lion Bar. The only one that... Oh, no, no, no. Um, Twix is Nestle as well, isn't it? And then number one, Cadbury's Double Decker. Fucking lovely. It's got nugget in it, it? Nougat, whatever. Nugget. Come on. Nougat. We're not Southern. Nugget. I'm, I'm from Stoke. We're weird. Um, Chocolate bars. What like... to do with the way you pronounce shit, brother? <laughs> chocolate bars. Again, I'm not a massive chocolate bar fan. Just what? I like my sweets more than my chocolate. I could smash a bag of Haribo in about seven seconds. Okay. Uh, chocolate bars, I'm not overly that fussed. If I'm going to have one, it's going to be either a Twix or a Boost. That's kind of it. They are good selections. They are in my top five. But that's it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have a, a Dairy Milk or a, or a Yorkie or a, or a Galaxy. No, I'm not fussed. I like sweets, my sort of main thing. Fucking hell. All right, let's do biscuits. So, in at number five, I've got Jammy Dodger. Then, oh. good choice, isn't it? Then at number four, I've got Maryland Double Chocolate Cookie. Has to be the double chocolate, not just your standard fucking cookie. And at three, Chocolate Finger. Oh, best. At two, because my grand, they just remind me of my grand and their fit, a bourbon. And at number one, Chocolate Hobnob. As you can see, there's a bit of a pattern in my top five biscuits. There is very much a pattern in there. Um, I'm not going to be able to give you five because I don't particularly... Again, this I sound so fucking boring. I've got three, so I'm going to have to give you my top three. And one of them's a boring bastard biscuit anyway. Go on then. Um, morning coffee biscuits. Not even heard of that. What's that? It's like a, we- it's like a really thin rectangle kind of biscuit it doesn't really have much of a flavor other than just it goes really well in coffee it's really thin uh, yeah told you boring biscuit right okay uh, what's it number two number two jammy dodger very much okay good choice very much and my all-time absolute favorite is the chocolate malted milk the what now do, do the the, the moo cow biscuits got pictures yes. of cows Malted milk. They do like chocolate on one side. What? How I you need never... this in my life. Have you never seen these? I'm, no. I'm... Wow. Next pressing for you show, as long as no one else eats them, there'll be a packet of biscuits in the changing room, as there always is. You know, there's always food and pressing. There, there is. 
Um, and that packet of chocolate multi milk biscuits is going to be for you. You can share them, you can keep them, whatever you want to do. Oh, I, I think I need to share this because this, this is a delicacy. This is a delicacy I have not sampled before, and, and I, I feel like it should be shared. There, there is one, I do have to give you a little bit of a warning, not that they're too Moorish or any of this sort of thing. Because of the genetic makeup of a malted milk biscuit, and obviously heating up when you're drinking your brew and so on and so forth, it sticks to the roof of your mouth a little bit. Right, okay. I've got no issue with that. I can cope with that. As long as you don't mind, you know, in your own face for five minutes afterwards, I think you're okay. I'm good. I think it's a sacrifice I'm willing to pay. <laughs> oh, my God. So we're going to leave that conversation, and we're going to jump straight into the game show segment. Now, I have thrown a few people under the bus. Lucy Openshaw yesterday did a family fortunes kind of deal. Um, there's some good ones, there's some bad ones, and they are actually in envelopes. I don't know why, because it's not like we're filming this, we recorded it, but they are good. in seal. Sealed envelopes. So you've got A, B, or C. Let's go for C. I can actually hear that they're in envelopes because you're making a pig's ear of it. Oh, and mate, I, I went to the fucking moon and back to do this. Like, no one's even here. No one will even know. Not even my dog's here. But I sealed them in envelopes just for you and for everyone else. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to have to read you this. Mr. Magic Mark, you are famous for your, for your wrestling... When did I write this? About eight in the morning? Jesus Christ, my, my writing is terrible. My wording is even worse. Mr. Magic Mark, you are famous for your magical voice in professional wrestling. Now we're going to put your magical voice to the test. We want you to give the listeners free impressions, ideally from pro wrestling for you, of free performers and... They're going to get a chance to guess at them when they listen to this. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, fucking hell. Um, right, okay, first one, I suppose, is... <laughs> Hit you with a hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. Uh, okay <laughs> and um right this one's just fundamentally mean broken, and i don't I'm, I'm broken already <laughs> <laughs> have you worked out who that was yeah i can picture him saying it as well like the, 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 the noise rather than the words was what got it me <laughs> good do i need to actually tell you the answers to these we'll we'll do all three and then we'll give it a few seconds and then we can give give out some answers Right, okay. So I'll write down the answer to that one. Good. <laughs> and, right, who else have you got in... Right, okay, there's an obvious one. There's an obvious one. <laughs> there you go. There's another obvious one. Um, and um, a third one. Shit. Um, shit. Um, pressure's on in it. Back in my day, it was snapmare followed by a kick, and it was the one, two, three. He's not like that. He's not like that at all. But I panicked. <laughs> I panicked. Oh my, I, I'm. 
I'm gonna, I feel I'm shitty gonna... about that one. Um, I, he might not listen to this. You might be safe. But his oh, as, son if, does... as if he's worked out how what a podcast is. His son does listen to all these. That's a bit of a bit of a clue. Oh, so I, I, I would imagine that he is going to tell him. So we've given the the uh, listeners a bit of a chance to kind of guess, Adam. So do you want to give us the answers? Okay, so the first one was Henry Grodd. Yep. Did you get that? I got that one. It's HTG down on this bit of paper. Yeah. Good. And the, the next one was, it definitely wasn't opera, but it was um, Matt Brooks. Yep. And the last one, because of panics, I just did a shit old man impression. It was Keith Myatt. I'm so sorry, Keith. I love you. You're like one of my favourite people in the world, and I've just been a massive bell end. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. I mean, we we started this podcast, uh, this episode of the podcast, out quite sort of quite a serious tone. We talked about some quite hard topics, and we're getting towards the latter part of it, talking about calling calling ourselves bell ends because we can't do an impression of a 61 year old professional wrestler. I love it. Uh, who would you about. right right right? I'm not having this. Who would you have done as your fucking impressions? I'm not having it as your go. Uh, Keith Mike would have, would have definitely been mine. Like I think relatively, um, it's quite an easy one because he's always got this line. He'll always tell you the story of when he used to wrestle Big Daddy, and because Ryan Myatt has done that impression to me so many times, I now imitate ryan's imitations he's like i wrestled big daddy and it sounds almost like fat bastard from the austin powers film but <laughs> it sounds more keith might than keith might actually sounds it's just fucking brilliant um geordie stew's probably my second oh, one to go to that would have been a good one actually nice and easy that big brother narration um entrance that he does it's relatively easy to do that's why he started doing it because I just started taking the piss out of him at work. It's day five in the merchandise that's coming with for office. Jody Stew is looking like he's busy, where really he's doing fuck all. And we just started laughing and we're like, oh, we should do that on a show. Ding! Then it's on a show. Fucking yeah, Jody Stew would have been an easy one because, you know, Jody accent in it. Yeah, and I wouldn't know who I'd do for my third. I'm, I, my voice doesn't lend itself great to accents. It's very monotonal, very nasal. I wouldn't know who would do for the third. Could have done Dan, couldn't you? Um, I don't know what I'd say as Daniel Terry, though. Because uh, he's not really got any sort of key catchphrases or bits that I can, like, pick up. Maybe Drill. Why, why didn't we think of Drill? Oh, Northern Bruiser, bloody hell, I could have done, and I could have not insulted Keith by doing it as well. Bollocks. Exactly. Oh, fuck, I'd say. I panicked, Phil, I panicked. It's fine, we're not going to fix this in post, it is what it is, it's one take, so... What are the other, what are the other, what were the other ones that I could have had? Oh, well, I can't show you them, because I might reuse them. Oh, okay. The three, like, three are tailored for you, so obviously this one, it says three impressions... There is a bit of a strike it lucky kind of game in another one, which is a dangerous topic at this point after that documentary that, that got re-released. And there was another sort of uh, would you rather game in the third one. Would you um, rather? Right. Even they're, they're kind of tailored for you. So I wrote the questions for you. And I know I'm only going to use one envelope of, of the three. Um, 
I can just kind of like open them and then reuse them for someone else and just change a couple of questions, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. So we have got into the final, final segment of the show, finally. Now that we've finished insulting everybody that we were with, it's the complete open mic. So I'm going to shut up for a minute and I'm just going to hand the reins over to you and you're going to get some shit off your chest about whatever topic you want. So we're over to you, Mark. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about conservation. Um, I'm a massive fan of ethical zoos. So, for example, Chester Zoo works tirelessly to on programs to get animals back into the wild, critically endangered animals. And they've been posting YouTube videos up over lockdown where they've emphasized this is what are we doing with these carrot with these these animals. And um th- those videos of sound quality has been dire, but they've actually been so brilliant and I've learned so much watching them. We've we've been kind of in inverted commas every Saturday we've been going to the zoo. And we've been watching these videos with the patio door open. So there's some kind of like background noise. And it just feels a little bit like perhaps you'd gone and seen the tigers being fed at the zoo. And similarly, I want to highlight a place called Yorkshire Wildlife Park, which 10 years ago rescued 13 lions from a zoo in in Romania that was putting them in cages that were smaller than your living room. And they now have a seven acre area to be in. A lot of them were in very bad nick. There were lions in their mid to late 20s that were very old. They rescued them all without prejudice. And a lot of them have died of old age in those those 10 years. So they've only got six left. But they they saved 13 lions from a place that shouldn't have had one for the amount of space that they had. Uh, the, The entire zoo in Romania had less space than the seven acres that these lions are in now. And so there's lots of brilliant conservation work that a lot of very ethical zoos are doing such good work, working so hard. And I made the mistake of watching fucking Tiger King. I don't know why I kept on watching it, but I kept on watching it. I watched every episode and I got angrier and angrier and angrier. The emphasis of this documentary is, lol, he isn't he a hick? Didn't, lol, isn't it funny that he accuses this poor woman of, of murdering her husband who went missing? Lol, 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 Tiger King. What the actual fuck? What the actual fuck? This man, if he was in Britain, would have been arrested, not for conspiracy to murder, But for animal cruelty, every single person on that show is a cunt. They are, and it's horribly biased towards making Joe Exotic look like, oh, isn't he funny? Isn't he cute? Isn't he abusing every single fucking animal he's got in his shit-ass zoo? And there's no proof that Carol Baskin did anything to her husband. Otherwise, she'd have been in prison for it. She's the only one who's running anything resembling an ethical zoo. I mean, she does have a slightly ropey past, which has been looked into on the internet since, but compared to the other examples of zoos on that show, she is the one 
legitimately rescuing animals and looking after them and working towards conservation. And she is made to look like a bad guy. She can't be the bad guy. She's never even been arrested. It's just sensationalizing when they should be concentrating on what these horror zoos are doing to to the population of tigers. They aren't working on conservation. They're not working on getting a breeding program with other zoos. They're not communicating with other conservationists. They're breeding them and breeding them and breeding them. There are more tigers in America than there are in the wild, in the actual habitat where tigers are supposed to be. There are less than there are in these horror zoos in fucking America. And I just find it absolutely horrendous that the breeding taking babies from their mothers the fact that they're breeding white tigers no motherfucker should be breeding white tigers do you know about white tigers phil uh i don't know all that much i'll be honest right so white tigers are essentially like albino people incredibly incredibly rare and if you have an albino person have a baby with an albino person you're not guaranteed an albino and it's the same with these tigers. It is a, it's just that with a critically endangered species, every time you get tigers to breed, it should be to widen the gene pool, not further reduce the gene pool. And there's a, almost all white tigers are born with the tiger equivalent of Down syndrome. And they have, you know, like Down syndrome people's appearance. These tigers have a Down syndrome appearance. And because that can't be shown to people, they're killed. And white tigers is one of the worst, nastiest, cruelest practices in all of anything to do with animals. And it's not even fucking mentioned. There's just some white tigers on the screen because they're pretty in this damn documentary. And it, it, it boils my blood. It boils my blood. People have watched this program and it's been played as a comedy. But what it should be is a fucking horror. So there you go. That's my rant. Fuck it out. Where where do we unpack this? I mean, when I was kind of putting these uh, these shows together, especially this second season, I wanted people to just go absolutely off their fucking head because um, I think there's a lot of um, sort of I don't want to say a lot of hate in the world, but there's a lot of stuff that is boiling everybody's piss. Whether it's the corona, whether it's politicians, whether it's this, that, or the other. And... I mean, I could have raved about those things too if you wanted me to. Oh God, no! We, we want to keep this podcast under two hours, ideally. Um... But yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted people to get stuff off their chest and to voice genuine concern. And I think you've just done it as good as anyone can do it. I mean, I'm the same as you. As soon as I'd watched it, I got onto Twitter and just thought, this is shit. Everyone on that show is an absolute dickhead. And I just feel so bad for the Tigers because they just want to live and enjoy themselves and whatever. And you've got all these people fanning about with them, killing them and all this sort of stuff. 
it just and boils my piss every moment that people could be that that people could be working on something to do with conservation or something good they're making fucking memes about carol baskin or joe exotic they've obviously seen this program and it's made them think and it's made them think lol rather than isn't this horrific people like this will mean that we won't have tigers in a hundred years it it beggars belief to me and I, I i think honestly people should be fucking ashamed of themselves yeah, can't say, can't literally cannot say better than that. It's we're not going to take it. Um, we're, we're going to take it home. We are going to put it on a bit of a sort of nice ending to this. Obviously, it's been an absolute fucking pleasure speaking to you, there, mates. And I know that your podcast, uh, "Don't Say the C Word," is doing a lot of good. It's getting people to be artistic and expressive, and to keep them going to doing all this sort of stuff. So, obviously, Tiger King aside, is there anything that you want to promote? It's not just don't say the C word that I actually have as a podcast. I've got four because apparently you can't get too much of a good thing. I've had a long-term podcast for over 18 months now, and that's called Pull or Pass, which is a weekly comic book review show. You can find that at Pull or Pass on Twitter. I've just started, like launched very recently, a Red Dwarf podcast. Uh, that's called Shipwrecked and Comatose. And you can find that on Twitter at Red Dwarf Pod. I also present a podcast linked to my celebrant job. So I get people on to talk about naming ceremonies and birth, weddings and relationships and funerals and death. And that's kind of like an interview show where I, I sort of ask the same questions, or at least it's a flow chart of questions, depending on you know whether you've been married or whether you've had kids and stuff like that. And uh, that's called Life's Milestones. That's at Life's Milestones on Twitter. No apostrophe because Twitter wouldn't let me and it hurt me a little bit inside. And um, and I, I tend to pop up on lots of other podcasts because I really like podcasts. But if um, you do want to get married and you do want a completely bespoke wedding that is written by me, presented by me, and I look super smart when I do it and it's full of love and full of you rather than anything else a non-religious wedding by me you can have a look at my website www.humanist.com forward slash no it's not www.humanist.org.uk forward slash mark adams superb i mean they 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 have it ladies and gents mr mr mark adams mark honestly mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to get you on we've talked about the the very serious We've talked about the very daft, which that's kind of what we do. And we got a little bit more serious at the end. So I think we kind of came full circle. But I think it's going to be a very interesting episode. Thanks, man. An absolute pleasure. So ladies and gents and everyone else, all that sort of stuff, because I know we talked about it earlier. Series 2, Episode 5 of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pups. I've been Phil Woodvine. He's been Magic Mark, even though he hates that name. And uh, we shall see you next time. See you. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.